Hi there, listeners. I'm working on a mailbag episode where I answer your questions. So if you have anything you'd like to ask me, send me an email to sam at kitchentablemagic.org. I'll read all your questions on air in a future episode. Thanks. Kitchen Table Magic is presented by Hipsters of the Coast. Hipsters of the Coast is the premier news and strategy blog for the Magic the Gathering community. Read up on insightful columns written by an expert team of Magic insiders. There's something for everyone. Discussion about legacy, modern, commander, standard, preview cards from the new set, and more. Just go to hipstersofthecoast.com for news and strategy on all your favorite formats. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Are you ready to return to the home of Magic the Gathering? Dominaria is out now. Pick up all your favorite Dominaria singles and sealed product at cardkingdom.com KTM. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Paragon City Games. They're a community-focused game store in Draper, Utah that cares deeply about their player base. Tune into their stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames for daily legacy action. Hello, sir. Could you please introduce yourself? I'm Daniel Duterte. I live in Seattle, Washington, and I won a Grand Prix in my hometown of Seattle, which is pretty awesome. It was it was okay. It was dece, as they say. <laughs> it was dece. Well, you know, you didn't just win any old GP. You won GP Seattle, which was a legacy format. It, it was legacy, yeah. You know, the plan was, so, so there were two Grand Prix. The, fir- the first main event was Legacy. The second one was Standard. I was fully ready to, you know, come up short in Legacy. And I thought, all right, well, Standard will be fine. That's, that's the one I prepared for. Turns out, well, what happened was I just didn't lose a match of Legacy all weekend. So I didn't get to play my Standard deck that that's I worked insane. so hard on. You did not lose a single match of Legacy. Nope. That, wow. uh, that's a, that was the most unreal part, part of this. Technically, you scooped your buddy into the top eight. I, I, I scooped a friend into the top eight. Um, Which is like insanely awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I met Steve Rubin a few years ago. He's from Pittsburgh. I have a lot of good friends in Pittsburgh. They've only said good things about Steve. You know, truthfully, I was going to scoop. I was going to scoop that round no matter who I was playing because I had not gotten a chance to go to the crepe stand outside and eat a crepe. So, <laughs> you wanted to eat a crepe. Yeah. So, the, so they used to hold PTQs at the convention center, and that was my fi- the crepe stand outside was my favorite part of going to tournaments there. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. It's. I mean, I pe- people were like, "Oh no, well, we can get you food if like." You know, if you need to play, we can. Someone can get you food, and I was like, "Nope, I I need to go see this made in front of me by some people dressed like French people." <laughs> well, there you have it. If you're going to be good at legacy, have a crepe craving. So technically, you went eighteen and zero. Um, let's see. If we're going to be technical, I had a buy. Oh, okay. And then I went fourteen and zero, so that's thirteen. 13 matches won in the Swiss, and then plus three. That's insane. So, so 16-0. So if you didn't scoop to your final 15th round opponent and just crushed him, it would have been GP Seattle back-to-back 18-0s? No, no one would think about the second guy. They'd be like, <laughs> who? Someone already did it. That's, it's not historic. <laughs> That's insane. But, but he, he got to do it. I got to eat a crepe. I what? don't know if he did. <laughs> So you're like a little bit in shock. Oh my god, I hit the brainstorm of my life last round. Okay, so so you're playing Legacy, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you're 12 and 0. Yeah, I was 12 and 0. So I was sitting at 11 and 0. I'm the only. I was, I'm, I'm still the only undefeated. Um, 
by game three, I'm playing. I'm playing Grixis Delver. I'm playing the Mirror. Um, he mulligan to six. I think I've got this locked up, but it's a little dicey. Mm -hmm. He has an angler. I have a death right. Uh, some pyromancer tokens and two pyromancers. And it gets to a point where my hand is um, marsh casualties and uh, and brainstorm. And then he draws his second. <laughs> oh man, uh, he draws a fetch for his second black. And he says, "All right, marsh casualties." And I'm like, "All right, this is the ball game. I play brainstorm. So, so I need a force and a blue card. And I I draw a force uh, pro pro. I'm like shaking my head, but the right two cards back and then force and, and I'm plus four tokens now and he's just like oh my god and I, wow. get, the, I get the game from there it's like the dream oh my god it's Legacy, bro. And then, and then, like, to put, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it, right? to put salt in the wound, he was like, oh yeah, it's like, you have what? You have, that's the only one in your deck, right? I was like, oh, well, I don't know, wait, I'm on the play? Yeah, that was the only forcible in my deck. Well, good and luck, dude. Absolutely nuts. <laughs> good luck, have fun, man. Thank you. <laughs>
Yeah, le- legacy grand like there's no legacy pro tour, so Grand Prix is as big as it gets, as far as I know. How do people play that much Legacy, first of all? And also, second of all, how do people get that good at Legacy? I mean, Legacy is very complex. In my mind, Legacy is is the closest Magic format to chess. Like, I think every time you lose, it's your fault. There's something you could have done differently. There's something you could have done better. And I think that's why it makes it such a great format, because you can play it forever and ever and just never master it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, chess, you sit in front of a grandmaster, there's like no way you could win. But there's a little bit of variance in magic that people can draw bad or like you you can just peel off the right cards off the perfect brainstorm. Crush. <laughs> the perfect brainstorm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, the var- and the variance makes it so that... You know, you do have a chance. If you play your best, you do have a you do always have a chance against anyone against Reed Duke or Sam Black. So it it it, it makes it fun. Like I it, I've I've always played a little bit of chess, but I've never had a desire to get really good at it because I'm I'm not gonna have a chance to beat you know whoever the best top players are. But I could. Like, I have a chance to beat Sam Black. Like, <laughs> How much playtesting did you do for the GP? Um, so my playtesting process was mostly all Magic Online. Um, my routine is usually play a league of some constructed format, whatever I'm testing for, in the morning before work. And then, in addition, I played Weekly Legacy at Card Kingdom here in Seattle and also played two of their... 1k like monthly tournaments they're called um the legacy preservation series some people do hot yoga in the morning you play legacy moto (laughs) (laughs) yeah um you know it works for me it gets my brain working so what's like the equivalent of a legacy leg day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'll I'll tell you what it is it's not playing any games but looking over your replays and like of games you've already played and looking at, okay, why did I lose? What could I have done better? What exactly was going on? I think a lot of times people will just be like, okay, I think I lost because of this. And then they just forget about it. But I'm, my, my memory is not super great. So I really, if I'm being super diligent, I'm, I'm going, I'm looking at film. I'm, you know, what would Peyton Manning do? He would sit in the film room. Okay, so you would be watching your films over and over again. Like, you record them. You may, yeah, yeah. I go back, like, if I watch a replay, I'll record it so I can, you know, if... Because Magic Online doesn't have a great um, rewind. Um, and, you know, I'm, I am I need to go back and think, okay, I, I don't really remember what happened after that brainstorm. So, um, so, yeah, being able to backtrack is great. So, that's why... I, record them and in like VLC and then just go back and go back as many times as I need to go over the match. How long have you been playing Legacy for? Um, I first played Legacy in 2011. I spiked uh, an SCG qualifier. So I qualified for the Invitational. I didn't have any Legacy cards. I borrowed a blue-white Stoneblade deck. I played some games i mostly just didn't know what i was doing that tournament didn't go great um i've I, since then i also qualified for two for two scg invitational so i quote unquote had to play legacy there but it wasn't until i moved back to seattle in 2014 that i actually got to get good legacy practice at weekly legacy in card kingdom or at card kingdom 
That's pretty cool. What did you play before Legacy? Did you just play kitchen table magic? You were playing standard, drafting? Uh, I was a PTQ grinder. I played whatever the PTQ format was since like 2007, since I, since I was 20. This is messed up. My entire adult life has been shaped around getting to the Pro Tour. So. Wow, that's so interesting. Well, you made it. I made <laughs> Top it. Top eight means you get to go. Yeah, I, I, I get to go. This is going to be my second one. So Wow, that's so sweet. Yeah, it, it's it's nice. Um, my first Pro Tour, I thought the, this is the best Magic tournament ever. And now I get to go to another one. So, yeah, I'm thrilled. Well, you know, that's really what you're here for. Please share with the audience, what is it like to go to a GP and just crush? I mean, crush in a great way. I mean, you weren't like clawing at it. Like you dominated that legacy right. GP. Yeah. So my, my expectations for the Grand Prix. So my expectations were, I'm just going to go. It's going to be three days of playing the best game in the world in my hometown, in my backyard. I was fully ready to be happy, you know, not making the cut in legacy not making the cut in standard, jamming the, P jamming the PTQ on Sunday, you know, r r result, results be damned, you know, I'm, I'm having fun. This is magic. And then once day one of Legacy started and I just didn't, I, I went 8-0 on, on day one. I had, I had done this, I had done this before at an, actually another Legacy Grand Prix in 2015, but 2015? No, excuse me, 2013, Grand Prix Denver. And day, day one went relatively, uh, I didn't really have any stressful games. So I thought, okay, this is this was a good run. I, I hope I, I can still play pretty well. I was ready to just, I was prepared to regress to the mean on day two. You know, it, it, it would be nice, like if, if we went five, five and two, that would get us in the top eight maybe and qualify us for the Pro Tour. That would be great. I would be happy winning more than I lose and making cash. As day two went on, I, I started out playing against Brian Brontuin, a pro, a world champion. He's great. He, yeah, I actually got to, I, I was really happy to play him because I got to tell them, tell him the story about how we met his sister at my wedding. She were, she was working my wedding in Berryville, Virginia. Small world. Yeah. We were draft, my, me and my groom's party was drafting before the, before the ceremony and she comes <laughs> over yeah, no, well, well she came over and she said hey you guys are playing magic are you guys like really serious magic players and we're like yeah we play ptqs and she says do you know brian bronduin that's my brother and we're like whoa and she said lots of good things about him and we told her yeah your brother's like literally a world-class player so yeah, that was wild. And now I, I got to play him. I got to tell him that story. And so that, that was cool. But I beat Brian Bronduin to go 9-0. Then I went 10-0. Then I played Noah Walker to go 11-0, be the last undefeated player. And then I'm thinking, all right, um, I was mostly trying to stay calm. Like, okay, this is good. I'm just going to keep playing tight. You know, we're, we're not there yet. And then, and then 12-0 happened when, when you caught me. That's right. People were freaking out. I was like in the aisles and like Paul Blake was like, dude, dude, one of our own undefeated, go find him. And I was like, really? Yeah. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. And then you walked in for the brainstorm of my life. That was nuts. Like I drew it. I, I heard a gasp. You heard a gasp from yeah. like the peanut gallery? Yeah. Um, oh, really? <laughs> like one of, one of my best and longest magic friends, Rob and Alberg, she she claimed she was like in tears that like after that pluck after those two plucks I, wow. needed, I needed two cards wow and then, and then after that you know I 
I, I was shaking because, you know, that, that was just absurdly lucky. And at that point, I was thinking, all right, I need, I need one of the next three, but something, something special is happening <laughs> right now. This, like, this is getting into, like, tournament of a lifetime territory. Not to talk trash, but how salty was your opponent? Oh, I, I felt so bad. I, like, I, I wanted to crawl into my hoodie. I, <laughs> oh, no. I, I felt like I sacked out so bad. He, he actually asked me afterwards, was that the last Force of Will on your deck? Because you normally, you normally shave on Force of Wills in Delver mirrors. And I, and I, it didn't even occur to me at the time. I just thought, I need, I need Force. I, so I'm going to brainstorm. It didn't occur to me that that, that was my only Force. So I was like, oh, uh, yeah, that was my last one. He's like, oh, but but you had the blue card too, right? And I, and then I thought, I'm like, no, my last card was a Marsh Casualties that wasn't doing anything. And he was just like, man, don't tell me that. Oh, just, yeah, he, he was absolutely crestfallen. I wanted to crawl under the table. Did he make it to the top eight? <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, I, I didn't, I lost track of him at the at the end of the tournament so um i don't know how he finished i know i know he was one of the eight o's after um after day one wow but but yeah i mean you know i i i know what it's like to be on the uh, other side of the table you know being really close and your opponent getting just getting luckier than you i mean i don't know the the game was really all three games were really tight i don't know if i don't know if i messed up or he messed up he was really good so but I, I know that I got insanely lucky and, you know, no, no, I, I realized no one makes runs like these without getting lucky, not even pros. Like, you, you, like the ball has to break in your court at some point. It, it's magic. You, you shuffle cards. So. so, Daniel, you felt that that was really a defining moment in the tournament for you. You either got it or you didn't. And that contributed to your record, which allowed you not only to be in the top eight, but also to get a great second seed in the top eight. Yeah, so 12-0, 12-0 didn't lock it up for me. It was it was 13-0. Um, and then even then, I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't looking at the standings. I had done the math the night before. I thought X2, two losses was going to be guaranteed in the top eight, but I didn't know. Um, I, I knew th- I knew 13-0, like 13 wins was uh, a lock for a pro tour invite, so... You know that that was ultimately the goal uh, of the weekend, like qualify for the Pro Tour. Winning winning the Grand Prix never crossed my mind, May, like not until the finals, and then even then, maybe not until after Game One when I when I blew out my opponent Jeremy Dazani in Game One. I I, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, I, I shouldn't be looking ahead, but oh my god, I. I might win this Grand Prix. I might win the whole thing. <laughs> Isn't that a great feeling when you're like, "Wow, I got this"? It's it. It was great. Not not none of this was supposed to happen. Like I, I I had never felt anything like that. Well, tell us what does it feel like to be in that position? You know, I I, I was still trying to be kind of game face. I, I was mostly thinking about sideboarding. When I let myself reflect, at least during the tournament, it was after round 13 when I went 13-0 and I got my seat at the Pro Tour and then people started congratulating me and like, like people who I'd grinded uh, PTQs with for, for, a long, for a long time. Like I always wanted to get back to the Pro Tour to prove that it wasn't a fluke. Um, I qualified via PTQ um, in 2015. 
that felt great. I had always wanted to prove that it wasn't a fluke, but it wasn't supposed to happen like this. It wasn't supposed to happen by going 13 and 0 at your home Grand Prix in in front of the community that that I had been a part of since I was 20. Like it it wasn't supposed to be like that. So that that started to get overwhelming. Like that was the part where I was like, "Oh man, this this is nuts." And then it wasn't until after um in, in game 2 of the finals when my opponent my opponent played a board sweep. So we were ba- we were basically top decking. And then I cast a brainstorm and then found a threat and probed him and saw two and he revealed two lands. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a favorite. I'm I could close this out. There were a couple more draw steps. He I watched the video. He bricked. He bricked pretty bad. I remember his I remember his very last draw phase. He just kind of grimaces. I knew. So I knew it was going to be a bad card. I thought he was going to have one more turn, but I drew a I drew a forked bolt. And that end, and that ended it. You know, I I hear like shrieks behind me, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like it's over. I won the biggest Magic tournament of my life. I'm, I, I'm not I'm not going to win a bigger one than that, <laughs> unless you win the Pro Tour. That's that's I mean <laughs> that's not going to happen. But of course but it again, is. But again, this also wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude, for like weeks, months before GP Seattle. This entire town, the Facebook groups, all the legacy practice, people were like, we must defend this house. Yeah. How proud are you of yourself to have delivered that to our community? It feels good that someone was able to do it. I I would have been thrilled if no matter who it was, it wasn't supposed to be me. (laughs) Like, Seattle has so many good legacy players. I, I would say, I don't know any other legacy community that's like Seattle's. Just so many players who only dedicate themselves to to this format. It could have been someone else. It, but but so so it, it's just nuts that it, that it was me that you know got lucky enough and was able to hold it together for eighteen rounds. You're um, still quite speechless about the whole scenario. I mean, you're. I mean, really, you're really quite. You still don't think that it, that it happened to you. No, I mean, I'm not supposed to be a Grand Prix champion. Like that's that's still so weird. That's it's so weird for me to think about. How many pro points did you get? I um I got eight pro points. <laughs> That's um, pretty awesome. And oh, th- this is awesome because the pro tour gives you three, and they and they just added a new level, um, bronze level. Nice. And, and it's ten, and that gives you regional pro tour qualifier invites. Um, wow. And I guess it's going to be for the next year. Um, so I qualify for the team regional PTQ later in June that I really wanted to qualify for because I wanted to pull in um, my my teammate Robin in, in, into the tournament so that I could get her onto the Pro Tour too. She's She loves Magic more than anyone I know. So That's awesome. <laughs> that would be great. So you don't actually have to be queued for the RPTQ as long as your teammate is queued, then you get to go? Yeah, that, that, that's how this works. So anyone qualified for the RPTQ can pull pull in any two uh, any two people they want. That is awesome. The the other kicker about being bronze is since I'm re- qualified for regional PTQs, my white or excuse me, since I'm qualified for regional PTQs, I don't have to play in preliminary PTQs. There's like one of those every weekend here in Seattle. I can pl- I could have played as many of those as I want. Now I don't get to at all. So my wife is thrilled that she has me back on weekends. <laughs> you actually are forced to play less magic. I, I, I am forced. There there is no other option. When we, when we got married, I um 
Well, first of all, I I didn't when we started dating. I didn't tell my wife about magic for oh like my gosh. for like three months. She kind of knew. She was like, oh, and she just thought it was like video games. Our mutual friend who set us up said, oh yeah, you know he plays magic, and she didn't know what it was. And she was like, okay, that's fine. It's a hobby. Who cares? And my friend was like, no, you don't understand like what level like he's obsessed with crack it. This is. Yeah, and and so she found out, you know. And once we got married. And we moved to Seattle. She she made me promise, like, hey, you have to cut back on magic. You cannot be playing. You cannot be going to tournaments every weekend. Uh, I gave her a compromise. I thought, okay, um, how about twice a month? That sounds normal for a hobby. She still thought it was nuts. You know, to everyone listening, that sounds just fine. That doesn't sound like <laughs> that much magic. And despite despite this compromise I I made, it was you know I've broken it so many times. I'm sure I'm in lifetime husband point debt. So I, I, I guess for the next year while I'm bronze, I get to repay it back. <laughs> well, you may be in husband point debt, but you definitely have pro points now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, well, if I ever get on the couch, I'm going to have my pro points to console me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, now that you are on your way to the pro tour, how do you prep for a pro tour? So this isn't my first one. So I am preparing with someone I've known for a long time, Charles Wong. He's local. He is also qualified for this pro tour. He also top aided the um Yeah, the standard Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, that was nuts. I I might have been more excited for him to make a run in the standard one than I was to make my run. When he won his win and in, I remember I remember I screamed and the judge behind me like almost fell. He, he was like shocked. He just wasn't expect he wasn't expecting that. So I felt kind of bad. I wasn't using my indoor voice. Um, <laughs> that one I got really excited for. He he joked that I should have brought my trophy so that when he wins, we can clink cups and <laughs> take hilarious. like the greatest Grand Prix photo ever. He ended up losing in the top eight to the blue red gift mirror. So that was unfortunate. But now now he gets a flight to uh, lovely Richmond before before he was silver and he was just going to pay his own way and use his silver invite. But now he gets to now he gets a plane ticket and I think he gets to defer his silver invite for one more pro tour after that. Um, so I'm going to prepare with him. I'm also there's also two other folks. Um, Derek Jones. He he was a local P, PTQ grinder. I believe this is his first uh, pro tour. So super excited for him. And another former local, Woody Angle, spiked the PTQ on Sunday. Woodrow. Woodrow. We know Woodrow oh. from the Marsh Log Vlog Cliffs. We <laughs> yeah. know that kid. Yeah, I, I, I met I met him through Marshall, and he reached out to me, and he's also going to prepare with us. So anyway, our prep, our our first step, the the Dominaria spo spoiler just dropped today. So our first step is to go through cards and. Uh, rate all the cards for limited and then uh, individually like all like everyone in the group and then and then combine them and then start discussion about where we differ or what we think about cards and then after the pre-release after we've played with cards we can start to refine we can talk about um, okay this overperformed this underperformed and then for the six months leading up to it as as we draft more uh, my expectation is we'll we'll have enough to talk about about where where cards are moving and then hopefully by by the pro tour everyone has a good sense of a, a pick order so to speak maybe not something so rigid as a pick order everyone everyone has solid opinions about cards and decks in the format 
Are you going to be bring up some sweet hot tech for the construction portion of oh, the tournament? You know, you know, this is the part I've been most worried about because the pro tour I qual the first pro tour I played in was modern, and I qualified through modern. I played affinity, and I was just convinced. All right, I don't really care. I'm just going to play affinity no matter what, barring a ban. I'm just going to play affinity. So for this, so this tournament is standard. So the format's different. Like the standard can shift in a week. You literally have no idea what to do. <laughs> so I mean, we we have ideas. Like I was gonna play Hadana's climb if the if I played the standard Grand Prix. You know, the format's not gonna change a ton. There's still gonna be some some decks now that are still gonna be good when Dominaria drops. Like say a red deck is still probably gonna be okay. Like Hazaret's still gonna be a good card. This pro tour is a little different than they used to be because there's six, seven weeks from when the set drops to when the pro tour is. So there's going to be an established meta game. It could be we get to the pro tour and there are just no no new decks. Everyone knows knows everything. You just have to pick a deck, or we stumble on something busted. I'm going to keep my eye out. That's like the dream to always just stumble onto something super busted, just like spike the tournament. Right. Um. Actually, so the first Pro Tour I qualified for was Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch, and JC Tao, who lives in Seattle, he qualified at the same RPGQ I did. He shows up the, at the Pro Tour, and he has the blue red Eldrazi deck that he worked on with, uh, what is now Mass Drop East and West. I find out about his desk, his deck. I find. Four other of his teammates are, and I find out they went 19 and one with it on day one, and I was like, "Wow, that's the dream to show up to the pro tour and break the format." And he ended up winning the whole tournament. That's insane. And now he works in R and D. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the super dream, like like ultimate career path: win pro tour and you know, it's play the game, win the game, and change the game. Like, yeah, that that was sick. All right, Daniel, tell us what advice do you have for new players that's just getting into Magic? Um, if, if you're a new player and you're, you're at Friday Night Magic, don't be afraid to ask dumb questions to your opponent. Um, I, I, I guess Friday Night Magic, there, there's a mix of people who are very competitive, like, you know, chill, but also very competitive. I think after you play games or if you're not playing in a match that's like part of the round, don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask like, hey, would you have done this or why, why did you do this? This is how I sideboarded. This is how I built my sealed deck. What would you have like? How would you have built this? Everyone's been there. E everyone's happy to help. Like, like I don't think there's any Magic players who who's shy about expressing how like talking about what they think about the game. And Daniel, what advice do you have for players wanting to level up and possibly get to the Pro Tour? Th this might be a little unpopular. It might be specific to to formats like Modern and Legacy, but. Don't don't switch decks. Like in modern, I only play affinity. I'm only ever gonna play affinity. I'm comfortable telling you if you sit across from me that I'm gonna play affinity. But I've beaten so many ancient grudges, so many stony silences. I don't care. Like that's just that's just part of you know the challenge of playing that deck. And I've, I've played it so many times. I know I know what to expect and how those games go. That I I, I win games that a lot of people wouldn't. And for legacy. Someone at the Grand Prix asked me, so how long did you practice with the deck? And I told them, well, I, I picked it up in like September. It's now, it's now April. So I guess about six, seven, eighth months. And he's like, yeah, man, that's just the amount of time I don't have. 
Um, that's why that's why I couldn't play a deck like that. So yeah, I think I think just reps. I think it's just something I don't like. I don't like metagaming. It's part of what I don't like about standard. I prefer just picking a deck that I know is good and grinding out grinding out reps and figuring out what exactly what could I have done better? How could I have played this perfectly? How could I have played this more optimally? And I think I think you can you'd be surprised how much you can get from just playing one deck. Okay, we're going to have more from Legacy GP Seattle champion Daniel coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors. Daniel, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Do you want to announce what the prize is for the giveaway? Uh, yes. Uh, today, we will be giving away a Channel Fireball golden ticket. Nice. And the golden ticket is good for entry into any GP in the world. Anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. Wow. And so they can win it and then go and win a GP just like you and battle it out with you at the next Pro Tour. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct, listeners. You heard it right here. We're giving away a Channel Fireball GP golden ticket. It's good for entry into any GP in the world. Details at kitchentablemagic.org slash GP. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. Kitchen Table Magic has been all about the origins of the game and the members of the community. And as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games are so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for weekly magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden deck boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games with their friendly staff that allow local magic communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv slash Paragon City Games. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They have great online reviews that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. Kitchen Table Magic is sponsored by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com is a great place to shop for Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, pre-constructed decks, and gaming accessories. They have a huge selection of Magic cards, from the latest sets to an ever-flowing supply of modern, commander, legacy, and standard staples. Card Kingdom also loves to buy Magic cards. They'll offer you cash or in-store credit for your Magic cards. And if you're new to Magic, you'll love playing any one of their pre-constructed battle decks built by Card Kingdom. Be sure to sign up for Card Kingdom's email newsletter to receive coupon codes, special deals, and deck techs by Magic Pro Chris Van Meter. Card Kingdom has so much to offer, fast shipping, great customer service, so I hope you'll check them out. And if you'd like to help support Kitchen Table Magic when shopping at Card Kingdom, please use our affiliate link. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash KTM when you shop. Okay, everyone, and we are back. Daniel, I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, man, how rapid fire are we talking? (laughs) Super rapid fire. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Daniel, rapid fire question number one. 
Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, which is your favorite color and why? Can I say no colors? Because I am a affinity aficionado, so I don't need colors in my life. I, I don't see color. Um, wow. I think you are the first guest to actually not choose a color. Yeah. Um, it, it was funny. I So the first pro tour I went to, um, I qualified with affinity. Um, my, my coworkers, I don't talk a lot about magic. I try not to talk about, about magic at work, but once I said, oh yeah, I'm taking time off. I qualified for a pro tour. A lot of people who, who were familiar with magic, they were like, so, uh, what, what color was the deck you, what you won with? And I was like, I didn't play any colors. And they're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, my deck was like all artifacts and they, they weren't serious enough or like they hadn't played enough. They were like, how is your deck good enough if you're just playing artifacts? That blows my mind. And noobs. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> They're noobs. Let, let me tell you about cranial plating. It's <laughs> <laughs> insane. That's hilarious. Okay. All right. Well, I guess, hey, first time for everything, you are choosing colorless. That's your <laughs> color. Okay. Sounds good. Daniel, rapid fire question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? Um, if I could change anything, I would like to give dual lands to everyone in the world so that they can play Legacy. I think the format's really good. Uh, I, w- I wish everyone had had the means to play it. Okay, I guess that bleeds into our third question. If you could give something to every Magic player, what would it be? Oh, wow. Man, I really, <laughs> really jumped the gun on that one. Um, <laughs> no, I guess you would give dual lens to everybody. If I could give everyone... I wish everyone had an opportunity. Everyone who wanted it, I wish everyone had the opportunity to play on the Pro Tour. It's it's the best tournament in the world. It It matches, at least for me, it matches exactly how I like to play Magic. I like playing against players who are serious and are giving me their best. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't play against any any jerks at, at my one pro tour. Everyone was very serious, but we're still playing the best game in the world. And, you know, it's it, it's cards. Like, you can't take it that seriously, but, you know, everyone was everyone was trying their best, like like I was. And it was, it was a really good experience for me. Daniel, rapid fire question number four. What do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering? Um, I think it's really cool that it's still getting really, really popular. Like, in in ways that I wouldn't have imagined. So my wife, she is a, she's a voice teacher. She's, she's a singer. She teaches mostly high schoolers um, singing. And she was teaching at a choir, like, weekend camp. And she saw, like, a, a group of girls playing magic. And she told me about it. And, and this just blew my mind. Like, Wizards has made such an effort to make the game more accessible for everyone. And I think it's great. And the, the more people that play magic, the better. It, it, it's the best game in the world. And last, Daniel, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience? I don't know. Go to your local Grand Prix. Like, they're, they're such fun tournaments. Everyone was, everyone was super nice. Um, I, I played against good opponents. I played in a side event on Thursday, like a legacy side event, and my and my first opponent, I think it, I think it was his first Grand Prix. He was, you know, he was super nice when when I was making my run in the top eight. He was still checking up on me, and I was like, "This is cool. Like you're you were my first opponent, like that I played this week. Like like that's so cool." <laughs> 
I think magic tournaments are great. They're beautiful. Go to them. Keep going to them. Keep playing the game. It's it's great. Dude, thanks so much for being on the show. And congratulations again for taking it down. GP Seattle, a legacy Grand Prix, That's, if anything. It, it's all still unreal to me. So, um, But but th- th- thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Any final words for the audience? Anything else you'd like to say to the Magic community at large across the world? If you're... A competitive player. If you're if you're the type that that wants to, that wants to play in the pro tour, just keep at it. Keep getting better every day. It's the best game in the world, and I'm I'm sure you know the the the, the friend the friends you make, the experiences you have, the play the play the places you go. Like that that's enough. That's enough payoff. I don't know. J- just keep getting better. Like you don't you don't get to choose when when you're gonna get lucky, but yeah, you have to be there for when it happens. So just just keep at it. <laughs> Much thanks to Daniel for finding the time to sit down with me. Go say hi to Daniel on Twitter at 4OutOfThe40. Daniel's been making the rounds on other Magic podcasts, so if you want to hear him talk more in depth about the brainstorm of his life, listen to the Legacy podcast, Leaving a Legacy, episode 183 with my friends Pat and Jerry. I'll have links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Stay tuned for a preview clip of our fifth part of our Wooberg series, last but not least, Green, coming up in the next episode. It's that time to thank our Patreon supporters. Big high fives to Brian, Marcus, James L, Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Aaron M, Neil, James G, Aaron C, Corey, Chad, Logan S, The Magic Man, Sam, Jesse, Nick, Ben, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, Charlie, Geraint, Scryfall, Matt, Ian, Prescovi, Carl, Logan F, Jaina, Kyle W, Ryan, and Kyle V. Big ups to Kyle V for joining the team. Listeners, if you'd like to get special gifts from my interviews, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchentablemagic. Your financial contribution goes to making the show better and keeps it running by helping to pay for audio equipment, software, and server costs. I'm a proud partner of Card Kingdom, so there's a new way to support the show. Whenever you shop at Card Kingdom, just use my affiliate link, cardkingdom.com KTM. A big thank you again to all my Patreon supporters, past, present, and future. Your support of Kitchen Table Magic allows me to share stories about the amazing people in the Magic the Gathering community with the world. If you haven't heard already, I've created a new YouTube channel called PlayMTG. It's an upbeat, fast-paced new YouTube channel featuring deck techs from the pros, learn-to-play tutorials, level-up advice, card discussion, community news, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash playmtg. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash playmtg. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at play underscore mtg. If you're loving Kitchen Table Magic, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and mtgcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast. The show is on facebook.com slash kitchen table magic podcast. All of the show notes are at kitchentablemagic.org. Remember to listen to past episodes and be sure to share KTM with a friend. Coming up on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. From Tarmogoyf to Swag Tusk to Crater Hoof to Force of Nature, Green is all about the beats. Even Green's lesser endowed creatures, the elves, pack a huge punch when they gang up on you. Ramping into big mana and attacking with big creatures wins games. Are you ready for the sick gains? Do you even lift, bro? Step aside for the beefiest, trampliest, stompiest color in magic, green. Part 5 of our 5-part series on Wooburg, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. <laughs>